0: We are privileged to be here again with our Bibles ready for study in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We know the Apostle Paul to be a praying man. He thanked God for spiritual blessings in Christ. He prayed for the lost. He prayed for Christians. He prayed for his own needs for strength and longevity in his preaching labors. In this passage, we're going to read and study, he writes of his prayer for the Christians in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Perhaps it will be of some interest to briefly notice what Paul did not pray for. In his prayers for these Christians, he didn't ask God to make them all rich in material treasure. He didn't ask God to shield them from all the hardship and pain and grief on the earth. He didn't pray for them to have larger homes and better transportation and high profile careers and popularity. This Prayer was focused on the spiritual. It is all about their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In fact, that phrase is used here, through Jesus Christ. That's Paul's prayer for the Christians in Philippi. How do we apply this? I believe what Paul prayed for those Christians should become our personal objectives subjects are brought up in this passage that will forever need our attention love and knowledge and discernment and excellence and righteousness each of those will require our consistent attention from now on So I've prepared these points for this evening from the text, and I would hope that every one of us would make these our personal intentions from now on. Love that does not grow will die. Paul prays for the Christians in Philippi that their love might Abound more and more. And when you look at that phrase, it contains that concept of growth. Abounding more and more. So I'm making the point, love that does not grow will die. And I'd like for you to be turning to Matthew 24, 12. Matthew 24, Love isn't something you learn about and you read about and you get your hands on a definition and you get it and you're finished. That's not the way biblical love works. It is never finally and forever mastered. We can never move on from love to something else. All the virtues that compose the character of a Christian are held together by love, and with reference to all of those qualities, they are all to be progressing, improving, growing, graduating from one step to another all of our lives. And that's so with love. We read what God has said about it. We absorb it we see the illustrations found in God Himself and in His Son and then we get busy with that virtue of love and we never stop working on it. Love is not just understanding something it isn't a static thing. It requires continued attention and maintenance and improvement from now on. He wanted their love to abound more and more. And we do not question that that's exactly what God wants to see in each of us. That love is just not something we understand, but we embrace from the inside out, and it increases, it grows. Now in that passage, in Matthew 24 and verse 12, Jesus was talking about apostasy that would occur in the hearts of some prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. And he put it like this. Listen to this phrase. The love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. It might be said... Either we are getting colder or warmer. Either we are not growing in love, or we are growing in love. Our love ought to be making uh, making progress and abounding, or it will grow cold and soon die. Love that does not grow will die. So... I need to make that a personal objective of mine every day. I need to examine myself with this specific matter in view. Is my love for God and for people moving in the right direction? Or is there neglect? Do I just assume that I have love? Apart from self examination, love that does not grow will die. Number two, love without knowledge and discernment is not biblical love. Love without knowledge and discernment. Love that isn't accompanied by knowledge and discernment is really not biblical love. I've said to you many times that so many people today think they know exactly what love is and they may adjust their definition according to the culture but they've never really concentrated on the biblical definition of love. The God who made us has defined what ought to be in us. The God who made us has defined What ought to be in us, in this case, love in particular, has been defined by his nature and through the person of Christ and then in the writings given by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to take you to a passage that I've read several times. You've heard this passage many times. In fact, recently, I read it in a Bible class and maybe in another sermon not too long ago. 1 Corinthians 13. I don't think there will ever be a time when we can turn away from this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. The church at Corinth was a mess, to put it crudely. And one reason was they were not exhibiting love for God and love for each other. And Paul wanted them to know the kind of love that needed to be exhibited not only in their knowledge, but in a discerning way in their behavior. So he gave this very simple description of the behavior of love. In one Corinthians 13 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love is Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, we call this a definition of love. It is a description of how love behaves from the inside of us out. Notice all these good things, which are products of love. Patience, kindness, hope, endurance. And then love does not think, speak, or behave in these ways. No envy, no boasting, no arrogance, no rudeness or resentment, no rejoicing ever in wrongdoing. All these necessary qualities are held together and they're packed into love. In Colossians 3.14, Paul said, love is the perfect bond. And that word bond is really related to the word that we use, glue. Love glues all the good things together tightly inside of us. And then love exhibits itself in the way described in 1 Corinthians 13. Love equips us to not be rude when we're tempted to be not be arrogant when we're tempted to be or be selfish when we might be tempted to be and that means we must know what this passage says and use knowledge with discernment discerning what our attitude is discerning how we think and speak and how we treat people all based on Our respect for what God has said. The aim is a love that is connected to knowledge and insight and discernment. Discernment is about testing things that differ. And we need to take discernment internal and test what our attitudes are. Wisdom will result that gives us strength to do good and approve of good and avoid unregulated emotion. Number three, love is part of and therefore shows approval of those things that are excellent. Love is a part of and therefore shows approval of things that are excellent. Love, when when abounding in all knowledge and discernment, shows approval of excellence. Love, as God defines it, embraced by us internally and externally, consistently, will always exhibit excellence and will recognize excellence. Here's something you've heard preachers say for many years. We get into a rut of routine. Very easy to do. We come to a building. We pray when we have meals. Maybe we do our daily Bible reading. We ought to do all those things but without letting those activities become nothing but a routine and all that we do the substance of Christian living and Christian character is excellence not a rut of routine zeal for being a Christian every day not just sitting in a building two or three times a week several times I've been impressed by this in recent years several times Paul said to Timothy and to Titus three simple words do your best do your best and to Titus he said be ready for every good work I tell you genuine zeal cannot be contained in a building genuine zeal cannot be contained in a building we may learn about it in a building we may read about it in a building we may form great intentions about zeal in a building but zeal cannot be contained in a building and zeal cannot be just a subject that we study zeal will recognize excellence and will characterize everything we do in regard to love for God and love for each other and love for those who are lost. Our worship assembly should be characterized by reverence and order and excellence. Remember, giving to God our best. And that should be so in our lives after we leave this building. It is our task, individually, and as a local church to pursue what god calls excellent our task individually and as a local church is to pursue what god calls excellent when love is in place as we've studied taught in scripture we are equipped by god to be in full pursuit of excellence Excellence that is characterized by knowledge and discernment that we receive from the Word. If we lose our sense of excellence in serving God, we fall right into that ditch or rut of routine. And that loss cannot become, uh, or can become, even a greater loss in the day of Christ. Number four, love abounding more and more with knowledge and excellence contributes to good fruit. Let's consider that. Listen to our text again. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here we encounter one of the frequent images in the Bible designed to help us understand righteousness. Here is this familiar image of bearing good fruit. I'm going to be taking us to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. This may be one of the most familiar passages where this imagery is used about righteousness. We're going to read Galatians 5:22 to 24 and you'll notice that the context is a contrast the works of the flesh in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, for there to be this fruit, there always has to be seed. And we studied recently in 1 Peter, the seed is the word of God given by the Holy Spirit. It is the Word of God in us with this love and knowledge and excellence and discernment. It's that love of God within us from the Word of God that enables us to bear good fruit, the fruit of righteousness. Paul was praying for the Christians at Philippi. He wanted them to know The content of his prayer for their spiritual welfare that they might be pure and blameless in the day of Christ when he comes again and that's what Paul wanted for those people and what God wants for us and this is what God wants for us not just in a building but every day and let us now note the ultimate motive and purpose of everything we've studied to the glory and praise of God. Through the seed, fruit descending from heaven through the word into us with love abounding more and more, with knowledge and discernment, exhibiting evidence in everything that we do day after day, bearing fruit in the various forms and virtues God To the glory and praise of God. Let's be standing as we sing.